<laughs> With a couple of weeks until Halloween, we go into the Spooky Hits podcast talking about some of our spookiest favorites. And we're starting things off with Ray Parker Jr. and Ghostbusters. <laughs> Here we go. How you like that, yes. buddy? Yes. I had to mute my mic. I was laughing so hard. Yes. So, uh, hey, everybody. Oh. <laughs> yes. We've got Halloween coming up, and so we are going to shift gears a little bit. Still talking about hits, but a little bit along the uh, the spookier side of pop music. Oh, we love our, uh, some Halloween. Ooh, and to take you there, I'm going to be talking about Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. Because let's just start with the most obvious thing. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, so I'll be hosting this week. I am Alan on all the social media. Slip with five eyes or sleep. I'm uh, Jamie C, a.k.a. at Megamix.com and uh, excited to talk some uh, some G-Busters. Yeah, so get your diapers on because you might pee your pants from all the scariness. And yes. uh, shall we get into the background of this one? Absolutely. Yes. I love it. You're supposed to be scared, dude. Come on. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Ray, oh my God. Okay. Ray Parker Jr. is an American musician, singer, songwriter, and record producer. Uh, before releasing Ghostbusters, he achieved a U.S. top 10 hit in 1982 with The Other Woman, which is an amazing song if you haven't heard it. Oh, yeah, it's great. The song is about how he's with a lady, but he's found another woman and he's fallen in love and poor him. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. He also performed with his band Radio, R-A-Y-D-I-O, and Love with Radio. Barry White. It's uh, so good. He also served as a lead guitarist for Stevie Wonder in the early 1970s. This dude's got some chops. Uh, Radio had some chart success with a number of tracks reaching the top 10 in the Billboard 100 charts in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, but they broke up in 1981, and Ray Parker went on to pursue a solo career. Nice. Aside from Ghostbusters and some of his other solo work, Parker also wrote and produced hits for New Edition. He wrote Mr. Telephone Man. Yes. Uh, he wrote songs for Randy Hall, Cheryl Lynn, uh, Denise Williams, and Diana Ross. He performed guitar on several songs on the LaToya Jackson 1980 debut album. Yes. And he also, in 1989, worked with Jack Wagner on an album for MCA Records that was eventually shelved and never released. <laughs> there is a uh, YouTube video of him breaking down Ghostbusters replays parts on the guitar. It's awesome. Anyway. Uh, so I'm going to reference Tom Brahan again in the number ones a number of times. Yes, because this is a number one hit yes. in the U.S. Yeah, so from Stereo Gum, and of course Tom Brahan wrote, uh, or is still writing, right, articles about all of the number one hits. Still going. Like, is this infinite now? Like, I don't even know where... where I mean, it, it's... Is he now locked into doing number ones for the rest of his career? I don't even know. Well, eventually he'll catch up to the list and then he'll have he to will. write every time there's a new one. Exactly. So he said, by rights, Ray Parker Jr. should have been all over MTV in its early years. Radio mm -hmm. had been early music video adapters and on camera. Parker was basically Billy D. Williams, a yeah. charming and handsome lover man type who didn't take himself even remotely seriously. Mm -hmm. In the video for The Other Woman, Parker plays a horny cartoonish vampire. <laughs> It's almost a rough draft of the Ghostbusters video, but guess, get this, <laughs> MTV wouldn't play black artists in its early oh, years. MTV. Even after Michael Jackson's breakthrough, they were a rarity on the network. Maybe that explains why Parker went two years without another top 10 hit. 
ridiculous. So, of course, Ghostbusters is actually a movie. Yes. Uh, in 1984, it's a, an American supernatural comedy film directed by Ivan Reitman and written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. I love the supernatural comedy genre. Yes. <laughs> it stars Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and Harold Ramis as Peter Venkman, Ray Stance, and Egon Spangler. Three Don't forget Ernie Hudson. What? Don't forget Ernie Hudson. Well, that's coming, buddy. Okay, good. Uh, it's yeah, it's uh, they are three eccentric parapsychologists who start a ah. ghost catching business in New York City, and then we also get Ernie Hudson. Yes, uh, there you go. Who joins them as the fourth Ghostbuster? It also stars Sigourney Weaver and Rick Moranis, and features Annie Potts and William Atherton. So there Don't you go. Annie Potts. Yes. <laughs> Ghostbusters was released on June eighth, nineteen eighty four, to critical acclaim and became a cultural phenomenon. Oh, yes. It was well-received well for its blend of comedy, action, and horror, and Murray's performance was often singled out for praise. It earned $282 million during its initial theatrical run. Um, with inflation these days, that's about uh, $50 billion, so <laughs> I don't, know what, don't know what it is. You can find a calculator, everybody. Well, you, uh, inflation, am I right? Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, making it the second highest grossing film of 1984 in the U.S. and Canada, and at the time, the highest grossing comedy ever. It was number one in theaters for seven consecutive weeks and only one of four films to gross more than $100 million in the year of 1984. Uh, of course... Yeah, by the way, for anybody who was wondering, the uh, the worldwide box office leader in 1984 was Beverly Hills Cop. There you go. Uh, with its effect on pop culture and a dedicated fan following, the success of Ghostbusters launched a multi-billion dollar multimedia franchise. This includes yes. the animated TV series The Real Ghostbusters... Yes. It's sequel, Extreme Ghostbusters. There are <laughs> video games, board games, comic books, clothing, music, and haunted attractions. Lego Ghost sets. Of course. Uh, Ghostbusters was followed in 1989 by Ghostbusters 2, which fared less well financially and critically. Yeah. And attempts to develop a second sequel paused in 2014 following the death of Harold Remus. Mm -hmm. After a 2016 reboot, which apparently erased the original in the eyes of some well, people. Well, it did. It, 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 for fans, the original uh, two movies disappeared off the face of the earth. Yes. They could no longer watch it. It was ruined forever. Yes. Uh, we're, of course, being sarcastic. Yes. Uh, but there was a 2016 reboot, mm -hmm. and there was also a second sequel to the 84 film called Ghostbusters Afterlife that was released in November of 2021. Mm-hmm. Of course, powering all of these were the original and remixed versions of Ghostbusters the Song. Mm -hmm. It was, of course, included on the film soundtrack. Uh, Lindsey Buckingham, yes. on his interview disc, Words and Music, a retrospective, stated that he was approached to write the Ghostbusters theme based on the successful contribution to Harold Ramis's National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, of course, that song was Holiday Road. Whoa. Uh, he did. Yes, he did not want to be known as a soundtrack artist, so he turned down the opportunity. Good. Uh, Martin Page played keyboards on the song, and Brian Fairweather played guitar. Uh, and I then wrote, according to Song Facts, that's what this says, the Wiki actually lists different musicians on the Ghostbusters page, but then if you go to the Martin Page page, uh -huh. Ooh, uh, nice. it says that he did play keyboards. So, Wiki. Get it together, Wiki. Yep. The English duo had a group called Q Feel that got a lot of attention with their song Dancing in Heaven, open parenthesis, Orbital Bebop, close parenthesis. Nice. Uh, I said it was unremarkable, but it actually has a lot of uh, great commentary if you read about it on the internet. 
Okay. When they came to America, they were thrilled to get a call to work on the track as they were big fans of radio. Martin Page quickly established himself as a top songwriter, writing the number one or co-writing the number one songs, We Built the City and These Dreams. Yes. Ray Parker added that he got his girlfriend and her friends to shout out the title for the chorus since That's he awesome. didn't want to sing it. That's awesome. Parker, who was a renowned session musician, played most of the instruments on the track. So the song never appeared on any of Ray Parker Jr.'s studio albums. But of course, this was on many of his best of albums. Of course. Including the best of Ray Parker Jr. and Radio, Greatest Hits, the best of the Heritage Collection, and the very best of Ray Parker Jr. Right on. Um, on Discogs, there are 84 versions of this single. Uh, clocks in at a nice 3 minutes and 46 seconds. Very nice. Uh, the B-side to most of the single versions is an instrumental of this track. Uh, mm -hmm. Most of these singles were released in 1984 from all around the world, but there are some other releases from the late 80s and 90s. Uh, there is a 10-inch vinyl flow, uh, glow-in-the-dark record that was released from Arista Records in 2014. There was uh, a lot of, um, I noticed, looking at the, at the various singles on Discogs. Uh, I did enjoy some of the uh, cover variations. Oh, yes. Do you, want, do you have a few that you've written down? I'm looking at them right now, and um, I, I just got to get to the single. So hang on, that was it. Went to soundtrack album, and that's not that's not what I want. Ghostbusters single. There we go. Okay, Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters. So if you look at it in different countries, we've got in in the UK the 12 inch has you know it's got the Ghostbusters logo, but it you know it's got Ray Parker Jr. Ghostbusters, and then in quotations marks it says searching for the spirit uh-huh <laughs> the blockbusting theme from the ghost busting movie uh-huh then it's got um uh you know some of the um some of the other ones from the, the netherlands we've got it uh you know it just says from the soundtrack lp you've got other covers that have you know stickers um that are original number one hit in usa uh-huh <laughs> so there's a lot of different cover variations of this if you were a hardcore ghostbusters single collector you've got some work to do yeah they have it in some countries they have uh the advertisement for the movie in the language of said country yes of course on the back cover of most mm. of the singles you've got ray parker and the ghostbusters walking in Times square which is from the music video We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, so I own the Canadian 7-inch release off of Arista Records. Some of the 12-inch releases have a few extra versions of this track, including an extended version that comes in at 6 minutes and 8 seconds. Yeah. The dub version, which... Uh, uh, the dub version. And what they call the short version, which is mm. 4 minutes and 3 seconds, which is longer than the single <laughs> version. Yes! I love it. Of course, this single appears on numerous compilations. Oh my god. A few yeah. of note... Now, this is Music 2, a double LP compilation from the Netherlands released off of numerous record labels in 1984 with mm. a track list that I described as So-So. Okay. Now, that's what I call Music 4 off of EMI Records in the UK that has a pretty sweet track list. Classic. A 1984 compilation from Echoes Records in Turkey called Echoes, <laughs> where this track is called Ghostbusters, two words. <laughs> yeah, two words. It also contains a track called Lessis Go Crazy by Prince. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Uh, the Hits album released in 1985 off of Quality Records in Canada, which I own. Yes. And another Quality Records compilation in Canada from 1985 called Rock 85. Rock 85. 
All right, so probably the juiciest part of this song. Okay. A lawsuit regarding Parker's plagiarism of Huey Lewis's In the News song, mm-hmm. I Want a New Drug, results in Lewis, Huey Lewis, receiving a settlement. Yep. And I just realized I called it Huey Lewis is in the news. Huey Lewis There's only one Huey Lewis. Huey Lewis in the news, everybody. There you, there you go. From a grunge.com article by Amy Beeman in 2021 called What You Need to Know About the Huey Lewis and Ray Parker Jr. Controversy. And of course... Oh, it's the article I need. Uh, we've I said, always needed it. We've said this before. Uh, whenever it comes to these legal matters... You're going to get a whole bunch of stuff in articles. So this may be different from what articles might say, but this is the one I've chosen. Okay. The Huey Lewis and Ray Parker Jr. controversy started when Lewis sued Parker because Parker's hit song Ghostbusters sounded remarkably like Huey Lewis in the News' own hit song, I Want a New Drug, which is vastly inferior to Ghostbusters. Yes. But if we're being honest about this thing, the lawsuit probably wasn't just because it was a clear ripoff, but more because the song became very lucrative. Mm-hmm. Ledger note. He wanted to get his hand on some of that moolah. Uh huh. Ledger note reported that according to the now defunct magazine Premiere, the film's producers admitted in 2004 that they used the song "I Want a New Drug" as the temporary background music in certain scenes, mm-hmm. including a clip that was sent to Parker for inspiration. According to NPR News, an agreement was reached in 1985 and the copyright dispute was settled out of court with the stipulation that no one talk about the details ever. (laughs) And yet here we are. But about a decade and a half later, Lewis did that in a very public way. Of course he did. MTV reported that during a 2001 interview for VH1's Behind the Music, Lewis said, The offensive part was not so much that Ray Parker Jr. had ripped this song off, it was kind of symbolic of an industry that wants something. They wanted our wave and they wanted to buy it. It's not for sale. In the end, I suppose they were right. I suppose it was for sale because basically they bought it. Exactly. Yeah. So what are you complaining about? So do you know what? They sound similar and, and it happens and he made money off it. So move on. Ghostbusters is a way better song. Then I want a new drug, of course. And the Weird Al song, I want a new duck. Um, so, yes. <laughs> I don't know about that. Due to the confidentiality agreement breached, Parker's lawsuit claimed it caused him emotional distress. I love it. MTV reported the suit said the confidentiality agreement directly related to Parker's comfort, happiness, and welfare and called Lewis's comments inflammatory, disparaging, and false. In a 2016 interview with Ray Parker Jr. on the Adam Carolla show, Parker said of the lawsuit, I sued him and I got money. (laughs) Yes. Adding, oh, by the way, I like him. I mean, I've never met him. For some reason, he attacked me, and I don't really think I had anything to do with it. A bunch of old guys fighting. Yes. Uh, Professional wrestler Dragon Rojo Jr. uses this song for his theme entrance in CMLL. Yes. Professional wrestler Nova used this song when he wrestled in ECW. He would go on to wrestle under the name Simon Dean in WWE. Yeah. Of course, this has appeared or been referenced in many movies and TV shows. I mean, if you ever hear, just go out with uh, people who are in the, what would you say, the age 30 to 60 yep. range and say the words, who are you going to call? And <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll respond in kind. Yeah. But uh, some uh, movies and TV shows that I listed, all of the Ghostbusters sequels and reboot movies and cartoons. Yep. yep. Stranger Things, Superstore, The Big Bang Theory, Anchorman 2. EastEnders, 30 Rock, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, The Simpsons, and Cheers. 
Love it. But I listed my f- three favorite uses of the song. I know where we're going with this one. Uh, would you like me to tell them or would you like to guess? Your three favorites? Yes, I have I, three. I, you know what? On the spot, I know I know the main one. Okay, well. So you do two and then I'll. I'll okay, yeah. I'll, I'll see if I can leave the main one for last. Okay. Uh, in All Elite Wrestling. Yes. During the Halloween 2021 show, The Elite. Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, and Adam Cole came out to their match wearing Ghostbusters costumes, and the Ghostbusters theme was altered into a track called I Ain't Afraid of No Budge, and it, and I wrote this in all caps, ruled. It did. It does rule. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, that's a Mikey Ruckus origi- uh, original, though it's, you know, uh, kind of a cover, but it's, um, it's great, and uh, yeah, I can't believe I didn't think of that one. Yeah, it's on uh, YouTube and on Spotify if you want to find it. In the movie Be Kind Rewind, oh yes, Jerry McLean, played by Jack Black, sings what he thinks is the Ghostbusters theme song, yes. but it isn't. Uh, he says, when you're walking down the street and you see a little ghost, what you gonna do about Ghostbusters? Amazing. How did I forget that? Mike Coolwell, played by Moss Def, tells him that it's the wrong song. Amazing. Uh, so uh, the main one that I know, and, yes. and I know I've got it nailed, but every Halloween, I look forward to the tweet of you posting the YouTube video of the pumpkin dance. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the, uh, tell us what the about the pumpkin dance. I'm actually p- putting in pumpkin dance on YouTube right now. Yes. Uh, yes, there we go. The pumpkin dance. So this was by the CW, which is a network in the States. Yep. But the specific station was uh, CXVO15. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this would have been like their local station. Uh, and what it, year was this around? Like, Oh, it was probably about, you know, uh, 10 years ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, 10 okay. years ago or so. But basically, it was on their news show. And for some reason, this, this station would have kind of goofy clips. Mm-hmm. Um, and, Halloween. Yeah, and one of their goofy clips was a man dressed in a all-black singlet, or unitard, basically. Yes, a unitard. Uh, with a pumpkin, a real pumpkin, carved out and put over his face with an elastic band like a mask. <laughs> so he is a pumpkin man, and yeah. he does a full dance to Ghostbusters, and it's amazing. It's so good. Uh, he, I, I completely forgotten about that, even before that we were going to talk about it. Well done. Yeah. Love that video. Uh, Shall we get to the lyrics? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, So the lyrics, uh, I've posted them. I mean, it's a lot of who you're going to call Ghostbusters. Yes. Uh, The line that I wrote is my favorite. Bustin' makes me feel good. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Do you have any favorites? I mean, that is the best. Uh, Ghostbusters lyrics, I'm just bringing them up here so uh, so I can see them. Um, because I didn't have them in front of me. I mean, an invisible man sleeping in your bed. Yes. Amazing. I also uh, enjoy, uh, if you've had a dose of a freaky ghost. Yes. All the Ghostbusters. So the film's director, Ivan Reitman, insisted that the title of the film be in the song, which made Ray Parker Jr. leery of the assignment. Uh, Oh, come on. Yeah. 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 So according to the Wickeye, when watching television late at night, Parker saw a cheap commercial for a local service, that reminded him that the film had a similar commercial featured for the fictional business. Yep. This inspired him to write the song as a pseudo-advertising jingle that the business could have commissioned as a promotion. Perfect. Uh, Tom Brahan said, The song that Parker wrote was big and silly and memorable, and it piled hooks on top of hooks. 
Yes. Parker found exactly the right vibe for the movie, cloud-pleasing and relentless, but also knowing in an eyebrow-wagging sort of way. Parker mm-hmm. plainly didn't take the song even remotely seriously, so he filled it up with little turns of phrase, I ain't afraid of no ghost, if there's something strange in your neighborhood, if you have a, do- if you have a dose of a freaky ghost... When yes. Parker wails out the bust and makes me feel good, you have to imagine that he knows exactly what that means. <laughs> yes. <laughs> in a interview, oh, in an interview with George Cole, our author of The Last Miles, The Music of Miles Davis, 1980-1991, Parker said, "It sounds easy now because you've heard the song, but if somebody told you to write a song with the word Ghostbusters in it, it's pretty difficult." Yes. Uh so uh, one comment from Song Facts. Uh, user... I can't believe that anybody's going to comment on this. Oh, you'll okay. love this comment too. Oh my God. SKS from Dallas, Texas wrote, overrated song from an overrated movie. <laughs> I love my, I love the voice because it's perfect. Yep. Um, Come on. But of course, Song Meetings is where you go to mine the real goodness. Yes. Uh, Mashley said, mm-hmm. I like this song. It makes me think want to dance around and fire plasma rays at people. Yes. Ghost Slimer. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so there you go. Amazing. Amazing. User River Wolf said, this song is so fun and wild. It makes me want to be a Ghostbuster even more. <laughs> even more. <laughs> Yes, he wanted to be a fictional character. Yep, but now even more. Now even more. <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Uh, the goodness of this last comment is partially because of the person's name, enigmatic lullaby. <laughs> <laughs> wrote. Is it Jeff Hardy? Yes. Does anybody else find this song a little bit sexually suggestive, or like hinting at something sexual? I mean. Look at the lines of an invisible man sleeping in your bed. I like it. I hear it likes the girls. Let me tell you something. Busted makes me feel good. Haha, ha, it's such a great song, by the way. Just wondering if anyone else notices this. Jeez. There you Did go. anybody else notice it? Oh, uh, my God. Shall we go to reception? Let's do it. <laughs> so... Oh my god! If you uh, listen to our very last episode covering Panama mm-hmm. by Van Halen, uh, the exact same period of time that Ghostbusters was at number one, so this might be a repeat. That's okay. Uh, Ghostbusters debuted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number 68 on June 16th, 1984, sandwiched between "So You Ran" by Orion the Hunter and the uh, Authority song by John Cougar Mellencamp. Okay, I recognize that at least. The song would eventually reach number one on August 11th, 1984. Staring, staying there for three weeks, the song that it knocked out of the top spot was Prince's When Doves Cry. Nice, double, double reference. Now, I know you already know this, but would you like to know the top ten for the week of August 11th, 1984? You know, I kind of forgot, so let's let's run it again. Number one, Ghostbusters. Number two, When Doves Cry. Number three by the Jacksons, State of Shock. Yes. Which is really Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger. Mm-hmm. Number four, What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Number five, Sad Songs, open parenthesis, Say So Much, close parenthesis by Elton John. Number six, Stuck on You by Lionel Richie. Number seven, Dancing in the... <laughs> yes. By Bruce Springsteen. Hey, more like sleeping in the bed. <laughs> 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 uh, 
Number eight, Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Dan Hartman with I Can Dream About You. Number nine, Rod Stewart with Infatuation. And number 10, some CanCon for you. <laughs> Corey Hart, <laughs> Sunglasses at Night. Nice. Almost exactly the same. I'm, I, what, what, what week was that that it hit number one? Uh, August 11th, 1984. Yeah. Yeah, so my Panama was the week after. Yes. So almost exactly the same, but not quite. The song peaked at number two on the UK singles chart yes. on September 16th, 1984. It stayed at number two for three weeks. Would you like to know the top 10 for September 16th, 1984 in the United Kingdom? I would love to hear it. The song that kept it out at number one by Stevie okay. Wonder. I just called to say I love you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ghostbusters at number two. At number three, Careless Whisper by Wham, but really George Michael. Yeah, awesome. Number four, Pride, open parenthesis, in the name of love, close parenthesis, by U2. All right. Number five, by Black Lace, we've got Agadu. Agadu! <laughs> yes. Agadu! <laughs> at number six, we have Miami Sound Machine with Dr. Beat. Yes. And number seven, we have Sister Sledge with Lost in Music. Number eight, Alphaville with Big in Japan. Number nine, Depeche Mode with Master and Servant. Oh, nice. And number 10, Elton John with Passengers. I, I like that top 10. Yeah. The song re-entered the UK top uh, 75 on November 2nd, 2008 at number 49. And then again on November 5th, 2021 at number 38, probably coinciding with the release of the movies. Ghostbusters reached number one in Canada on the RPM 100 singles chart the week of August 25th, 1984. Uh, you read this exact same top 10 in the last episode. Here we go again. Number one, Ghostbusters. Number two, When Doves Cry. Number three, What's Love Got to Do With It. Number four, Sad Song, Say So Much. Number five, Stuck on You. Number six, a super hits classic, Self Control. Yes. By Laura Branigan. Number seven, Almost Paradise by... Anne Wilson and Mike Reno. That's from the Footloose soundtrack. Yes. Number eight, Romancing the Stone by Eddie Grant. Also from the Romancing the Stone soundtrack. Did yes. you know? I did. I did. Uh, number nine, Cindy Lauper's Shebop. And number 10, Jump, open parenthesis, For My Love, close parenthesis, by Pointer Sisters. Uh, right on. And, and you know what was number 15 that week? Oh, what was? Panama by Van Halen. Amazing. <laughs> Uh, this was not a particularly good week for CanCon, as no songs tracked the, uh, cracked the top 25, but I noted a couple in the top 40. Okay, come on. We've got New Girl Now by Honeymoon Suite at 26, which is a fucking rad song. Awesome. Lovers in a Dangerous Time by Bruce Coburn mm -hmm. at number 31. Thumbs and, up. And number 33 was Go For Soda by Kim Mitchell. You know what? That's a, that's a good triumvirate. Uh, looking at the chart placements for 84 and 85 around the world, this is a top 10 hit all over the place. Yep. Number two in Australia, number one in Belgium, number one in France, number two in New Zealand, number two in Norway, number one in South Africa, number one in Spain, number two in Sweden, number three in Switzerland, amongst others. In uh, uh, the 1984 year-end charts, number three in Australia, number four in Canada, number five in New Zealand, uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. New Zealand, number nine in the UK and number nine in the US of A. So you're saying it was a big hit. A big hit. Certified. A super hit. A super super hit, hit, if you would, if you will. Yeah, if you will. Uh, certified platinum in Canada, France, and the United Kingdom. Certified gold in the United States. Streamed on Spotify. This is between all the different versions. 
I counted about 225 million streams as of right now, mm-hmm. October of 2022. The music video has 68 million views on YouTube. Yeah. The song was nominated at the 57th Academy Awards for Best Original Song, but lost to Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You. You know, awful. Uh, other nominees were Against All Odds, Footloose, and Let's Hear It for the Boy. All better songs than Stevie Wonder's garbage. Would you like to hear some covers and samples? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, it's so good. All right. As already noted, this song samples I Want a New Drug. Who Sampled has 59 songs which sample Ghostbusters. A couple of note, in 1989, Run DMC performed a rap for the movie Ghostbusters 2. Yes, It contained elements of Parker's 1984 hit. I was, I had high hopes. It's not good. It's not good, no. Lots of songs by unremarkable artists. A lot of sampling, just stealing the who you gonna call line from the song. There are 106 covers of this song on Who Sampled. Most are nonsense, but a few worth noting. Okay. In 2006, uh, 16, sorry, this was covered by Fallout Boy and Missy Elliott. It was done for the 2016 reboot of the movie. I, I, I remember that, yeah. It received negative reviews from critics, and after listening to the song, I say the reviews were well-deserved. Yeah. The animated character, Michael Turtle, (laughs) covered this in uh, 2005. It reached number five in France. It's basically another version of Crazy Frog. It's garbage. Oh, my God. The Rasmus covered this in uh, 1996. If you want to hear what the song would sound like with a full rock band playing it, this is a cover for you. I said it's not terrible. Okay. Some guy named Vine Sauce Joel did this about 25 uh, times or 25 versions in 2018. Oh, my God. The instrumental tracks are fine, but there is a track called Ghost Boaster with lyrics, (laughs) and it's fucking embarrassing and awful. And, of course, we have the usual entries from groups like Kids Bop and 8-Bit Universe and a lot of instrumentals. And there was also a version, I believe, by Walk the Moon on the uh, 2016 Ghostbusters uh, uh, soundtrack. Lovely, right? That is fine. It's not terrible, but it's not great. All right, music video time. Yes. Ah! So scary. Uh huh. The music video for this song is directed by Ivan Reitman, same person yes. who directed Such a the great, movie. You know, I love that the director of the movie directed the video. It was so produ- it was produced by Jeffrey Abelson. It features a young woman played by actress Cindy Harrell, who is haunted by a ghost portrayed by Parker, yes. roaming a nearly all black house interior until the woman finally calls the service. The music yeah. video was number one on MTV and features cameos by celebrities Chevy Chase, Irene Cara, John Candy, Melissa Gilbert, Ollie E. Brown, Jeffrey Tambor, George Went, Al Franken, Danny DeVito, Carly Simon, Peter Falk, and Terry Garr. Yeah. None of the actors were paid for participating. They did so as a favor to Reitman. Yeah, all Reitman's buddies. Yep. The song concludes with Parker and the stars of the film in full Ghostbusters costumes, yes. dancing down the streets of New York City, the crew closed down Times Square to film the scene, although a sizable crowd can be seen in the background. The, so Go- the Ghostbusters also performed the same dance in the closing credits to the real Ghostbusters cartoon series yeah. and in the trailer for the 2009 Ghostbusters video game. Uh, Tom Brahan said about Ghostbusters, the movie or the music video, Ivan Reitman directed the supremely silly Ghostbusters video where Parker plays a horny ghost. 
<laughs> who, who in the end turns out to really just want the girl in the video to go, call the Ghostbusters. Yep. Reitman had Times Square shut down so he could film Parker and the Ghostbusters doing the dance, with Bill Murray getting some supremely clumsy ad-libbed breakdancing in. Yep. Uh, my own notes. Go, uh, Ray Parker's dance moves in the video leave a lot to be desired. Not great. But he looks cool as fuck in the shots where he has him, uh, they just have him singing into the mic. Yep. The special effects of the video aren't very good, uh, nope. which is a little surprising given the movie. <laughs> yeah, the special, yeah. You know, and, and the clips of the movie look unfinished, right? Like it's not, it's almost like when uh, when Prince did Bat Dance. Yes. And the clips he used from the from the movie were, were, were muted and muffled because they were, you know, from test copies or test prints. Yeah. So, it looks a little. I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't blown away by the movie clips either. Of course, Cindy Harrell spends a lot of the video running around in her little little pajamas. Oh yes. Uh, the scene where he sings the Invisible Man line has the covers coming off the woman, and then Ray Parker slides out from under the bed. So creepy. Uh, but I said it's pretty rad. It, it is, is creepy awesome. though. Uh, lots of footage from the movie, as you'd expect. The celebrities singing the Ghostbusters line is pretty great. And Parker and the Ghostbusters rocking through shitty 1980s Times Square. Yes. Is rad too. And so there you go. Uh, I'll just uh, go to the ratings so you can talk about it. Do it. Uh, rate, rate, <laughs> rate the video. All right. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. And and you know what? It, it should be more, but I really don't have like a uh, a background on this song. I never saw this video. Ever. So I have no like, you know, that feeling that you get when you see that video and you and you remember it. I don't have that, unfortunately. So it doesn't kind of it doesn't kind of hit for me as it probably should have if I had actually seen it back in the day. I never saw music videos. Um, I like that it expands on the film's theme with its own little storyline interwoven throughout. The effects are bad, but, you know, they're classic 80s. I love them. Uh, the celebrity cameos are great. It lends a big time feel, which is good. Uh, the movie clips, I said they were pretty low quality, but I mean, Ghostbusters rules, so it's great. Uh, the neon motif is fantastic I like uh, I said it was creepy but I like where the ghost peels the sheets away and he slides up from under the bed because uh, it's hilarious 8 out of 10 uh, I'm giving it a 7 it's a amazing advertisement for the movie yep. uh, very much though kind of a time capsule kind of uh, yep. music video so yep. I'm sure at the time when it came out it was great yep. but I think one of the reasons, and I mean, we watched music videos in the late 80s and going into the 90s, right? Yeah. And you would not see this anywhere. No, you wouldn't. It, it fit no. in a very specific period of time. So putting myself in that period of time, it's I'd be hard. like, this is a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. Um, if I was, if I was, I don't even know, if I was born in 1973 or two or four, I would have thought this was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I saw the movie, but like I didn't, you know, and that was great on its own, but never really caught this as a thing. Yeah, it's great that he gets the celebrities. It's great that he gets the actual Ghostbusters. The Times Square shot is pretty iconic. The effects are disappointing. Yep. Uh, the storyline is goofy. Of course, we have to have the lady running around in her in her undies, basically. Yes. Uh, but uh, fun video. Enjoyed it. I'm giving it a seven. What about the? So song? I wanted to bring oh. up one last thing too, is that I found. Uh, based on their history uh, in, in the years preceding to have Chevy Chase and Bill Murray in the same music video. Very interesting. Ah, nice. <laughs> um, so actually, I'll give you one more fact. I should have put this yep. under covers and samples. This is a okay. bad one. Me and our pal Mistopheles, 
Yes. Uh, did a Weird Al job to one of the lines in Ghostbusters, <laughs> where we would say to each other, when you're all alone and you got a bone, then call your mother. <laughs> Terrible. Yep. We were the coolest. Oh, my God. Was this song on any of your 80s mixes? It absolutely was. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, rate the song. Seven out of ten. Um, the song is really campy, super catchy. The fact that it remains a Halloween classic is very is very fitting, and it's very it was well deserved. If this is the mid to late eighties, I give it a ten out of ten. But I think years and years of complete overexposure every Halloween has kind of bumped it down a few notches for me. That said, the breakdown before the final chorus is an amazing bit of songwriting, and I mean, come on, Bustin' makes me feel good. Yes, yes, yes. I gave it a 7 out of 10. It's a novelty song, but it's a pretty rad one. The fact, like the idea of how do you get Ghostbusters into the song and making it a jingle? Yep. Genius. And uh, I enjoy it. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it kind of wears out over time, but not that badly. I mean, it's no, worn it down to a 7, which is pretty good. Oh, 7 is great. I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. Um, it's ubiquitous. And sometimes that just is... I don't want to hear it all the time. You know, I, it's not skippable for me because it's got enough going on that it's good. So uh, as we head further into the spooky season, what have you got uh, next uh, time for us? We are going to scare the pants off of you with uh, Blue Oyster Cult and Don't Fear the Reaper. Oh. Sorry, open parenthesis, don't fear, close parenthesis, the Reaper. Yes. <laughs> It'd be good times. Yeah, so go and have a listen to that song. We've got it on our playlists over on Spotify and on Apple Music, the Super Hits Podcast playlist. If you want to tell us about any spooky songs that you would like to uh, talk about or if you are really scared by all the new sound effects, <laughs> superhitspodcast at gmail.com yes. or you can hit us up on Twitter at superhitscast, on Instagram at superhitspodcast and I am slip with five eyes on all of those social medias. I'm Jamie C uh, at Megamix.com on some social media. Thanks for listening, friends. We will see you all later. Ooh. <laughs>